Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds, and welcome back to the Geeks Journal podcast with one of our And Another Thing editions. As we've taken a little break from our movies over the course of the summer, we decided to ease back into it by talking about a show that has been taking Netflix by storm over the last couple of weeks at time of recording, and that is the live-action edition of The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Now, when it comes to talking about not only... TV, but comic books, and when you merge the two together, what better accompaniment for me to discuss this further than member of the collective, Damien. Good evening, sir. Good evening, you're far too kind. (laughs) Been looking forward to this for a while. Now, listeners, first of all, before we get into anything, it is very important to know that we will be going into a fair bit of length involving the actual show that is currently streaming on Netflix at the moment, but of the original comics as well. So if you have any interest in those, I implore you, go and find out what you want to first, and then come back and give us a listen. Please don't blame me for anything that we're going to talk about here now and claim spoilers, because I am claiming right now, spoiler alert, I need to get myself a klaxon sound effect or something. (laughs) Is it copyright license if I use the red alert from Star Trek? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I should probably yeah, look yeah, into look that. Into it, yeah. I'm sure a couple of seconds is fine. <laughs> that's all it really is. Or just, just do it yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the story of the Sandman is reasonably simple. I would say Obviously, we have Morpheus, who is the Lord of Dreams. At the turn of the century, actually, during the course of the First World War, he is captured by... Uh, by a warlock, by a mage called Roderick Burgess, who is actually trying to capture Death, a sibling of the Lord of Dreams, captures Death by mistake and remains imprisoned for the better course of a century. Following his escape, goes back to his kingdom, the Dreaming, and finds just everything is turned to shit. And it's how he basically gets back on his feet, essentially. I, I, I'm oversimplifying it, but essentially it's about how he gets back on his feet, rebuilds his kingdom, and brings back not only the dreams that have just upped and left because they think that Morpheus has just abandoned them, but the nightmares that are consequently walking among us. Damien, I want to jump into the show first, because obviously like, we are hot off the presses of this show. It's literally been a week. This show has been around for a week, maybe two at this stage. Yeah, second week now. Yeah, second week. Loved it. Loved it. I mean, what, what a show it has been. I think in terms of content available in the source material to what they adapted it to i think this was probably for me one of the better combinations that i think they could have 
gone with. I, I can't imagine them doing it much differently. How about yourself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was lucky. I would, let's go back a little bit. Neil Gaiman has 2.9 million followers. I've just looked this up. 2.9 million followers on Twitter. A while ago, he tweeted out that Netflix were giving people the chance to stream the premiere that was being held in London to stream and watch along with, along with people. Just put your name in. Um, see what happens. You think, of those 2.9 million people, I never thought for a minute I'd get an email, but I did. And I was, ha-ha! And <laughs> so I got to see it two, two, no, yeah, two days before um, it got dropped onto Netflix. A VHS quality stream, it's not even, but no, kids, Google VHS quality video and you'll see it. But still very watchable, <laughs> had net, property of Netflix, watermarked across it and your viewer ID number. So if someone leaked it, they'd know who had done it. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. And there was a half an hour interview with Gaiman and George R.R. R. Martin before it. And I got impatient and skipped the last five minutes. So I like, come on, I want to see the Sandman. And it was everything I could have hoped for. I mean, I messaged you guys, mm. with no spoilers, but I am a Marvel yes, guy. Yeah. I'm a Marvel guy through and through. And this obviously is a DC property. It's the best comic book adaptation I've ever seen. Ever. Mm. And that was just from one episode. And then I had to wait impatiently. So impatiently so I could watch the rest of it. <laughs> so this is interesting because, yes, we I should have led with that initially as well. The Sandman originally comic book was a DC property that Neil Gaiman wrote uh, in 1989. It was actually part of Vertigo Publishing, which is kind of the what like Marvel Max yeah. became and, and what Marvel Knights in terms of movies were made. It, it was the more kind of adult-oriented comics that the were first, out. I think the first year was under DC and then because Vertigo didn't ex- and it didn't move to, they moved Hellblazer, which is mm. Constantine. Swamp Thing moved over there. But yes, it's it's the adult and horror-themed. They all moved, Animal Man was part of it for a while before they moved him into the main, which is why... The show doesn't have... Before they, before they realise that Animal Man sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the show, that we'll get into, doesn't have what the comic has, which is appearances from DC superheroes. Yes. With, one except, with, yeah. with the exception of Constantine, which everyone keeps going, it's teen. It isn't. If you look at Reed Hellblazer, he actually says it is pronounced time. So everyone, so all the Americans, you're all wrong. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> so we will be saying it properly. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is there in canon. Yeah, it's and Gaiman has said himself he spent years killing off bad adaptations of this, and with the success of Good Omens, he finally had the power to say, "Yes, this is and um, by Christ, what a show we've got! What a show we have got!" Yeah, that's it. I, well, I think we're in a really good place with various productions. Where I mean, like we've touched on this before, there are more fans of source content now being in a position to actually do something justice and i think in the right hands then it it it, it, it thrives all the better oh, absolutely. rather than just presumably what the other adaptations that that gaiman had had kiboshed would have just been a cash grab essentially which really i think i don't think that the audience was ready i i i don't think you know like, like even for the for the years it went on like this this comic book ran for seven years i think it was like 89 to 96 or something like that it's a huge turnover so many uh, uh, like so many stories 
But I even then, like I didn't know about the Sandman until about ten years ago, and that was when you very generously bought me the f- the first absolute edition of Sandman, which is like the first thirteen issues or something like that is it like like, i I, I, I can't remember (laughs) this this you can't see it but it's in my hands (laughs) um because they're coming back in but there's there's just a it is the first 20 the first 20 sorry i was miles 20 so the first 20 issues 75 guys it's it's like yeah so plus a prequel yes as you can imagine the second that this show finished i did what any Nova fan would do and reach straight for the book. Yes. Because I wanted to read it again because I haven't read it for a few years. Mm. Because, and this is the other thing as well with the, the, the uh, with the show is that whilst it is an incredibly bingeable show and listeners it is, I do not recommend it enough, but it does come with a warning with conditions. It is very heavy. Mm. It's not for the faint of heart in some places. No. But the book, I think from the book translation to the show there was just bits that literally just leapt off the page i mean when they capture him yeah he's led in that circle that is boom yeah with his cloak with the helm and the ruby the way that his cloak is spread out across the floor was straight out of the book not to mention when he actually finally then gets away and he uses the sand he opens a portal and he just lets himself drift into the portal is right out of the comic and that just captured my imagination but there's also a lot of like like very big differences in this that I think, whilst important, they don't impact the overall story. You know, it it might be things that they go, oh, it's a shame that that wasn't in there. But it's things like, you know, Sykes, who is Roderick Burgess's right-hand man, who's running the business, is the reason why Ethel Cripps, who's Burgess's mistress, they have an affair and they run away. That like None of that happens. There's no Sykes, so you don't see the deal that he makes with Beelzebub to no. get the protection amulet. No. But you don't miss it, though. It's the same, the same no, story. No, not at all. No. It's, I'll say this a little bit as we go along. I did find it, it's interesting because like recently as well, like over the last couple of years, there has been uh, productions, audio productions of The Sandman, which has been produced by Audible, which are brilliant. Very, very strong performances. The cast list is huge. Like Morpheus is performed by James McAvoy was in this in the Netflix series, he's played by Tom Sturridge. I'll get to his performance in a minute. But McAvoy has such a vocal presence playing that character. And it amused me because where we see Ethel Cripps at the start, the young Ethel yes. Cripps, obviously later she's played by Jolie Richardson, but what amused me is she's played by Neve Walsh yes. in this. And she voices uh, she voices Noir yes. in the second series of the of the Sandman thing and it was quite funny because like there's loads of little appearances that just made me go so you've literally just went oh no we couldn't use them for the characters that we want to do in this so we'll get them in to play mm. other characters absolutely it's it's very part three of that is coming this year I believe so they did say it would take about five acts to do the entire and spoiling it is a tragedy I don't want to give yes. too much away but just read it guys read it one thing I was thinking about with this show do you think that because the way that the his effects are taken away and then they all disappear because Ethel Cripps, who later becomes Ethel D, mm. either gives them away or they've been taken by other people. Yeah. Like the helm is bartered for by a by a demon mm. who then takes it back to hell by Corinzen. The sand that was like the only one that 
kept its originality as close as they could, which is mm. where Rachel has the sand, Constantine's, yeah. uh, uh, Constantine's ex. Yes, yeah. But everything else is kind of like a bit, has shifted around a little bit. And I get it. It's a, it's a streamlined process. Mm. Like to do, essentially, they, they, they put the majority of the first 20 issues in these 10 episodes, 11 episodes, sorry. Because as we found out after it being released for a week that they went, surprise, we've got one more. Yeah, that, yeah. funny enough, there was, some, YouTube took it down. But there was a thing where people um celebrate your goggle box, they had bits and it was bits from episode eleven that hadn't aired and it was being kept and they had to be told to take that down. And then that morning, the morning it got dropped, game was up. If only there was some more Sandman. Hmm. Ah, you, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and what a surprise that was. And I was wondering, were they gonna do that episode and how they were gonna and fantastic. Mm. So there's one thing that I need to mention as we're as we're still in the in the nineteen tens at this point, story wise, is that the reason why Morpheus gets captured when he's on Earth is because he's tracking down his prize nightmare, really, mm. I think is the best way to 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 describe it. It's a, a nightmare called the Corinthian. Now, I'm mentioning this right now because I'm gonna talk about this a lot as we go. Boyd Holbrook in this, who most people would remember as the as the mercenary in Logan. Who that was a waste of a character. A yeah, he was um, Donald Pierce, who in the comics is yes. a Hellfire Club and is a cyborg. Watching him in it, I like was a standout for me. It was very interesting to see because in the comic, the Corinthian is not that much of a presence. No, as he is oh. in this series, he's certainly not. The figurehead. He's not the Moriarty to to Morpheus's Sherlock, which is how he's definitely portrayed mm. in this, where he just he just wants to live. Ironically, he wants to live by killing people, but he's essentially made out to be the first serial killer, as we find in later episodes. But what I found interesting was because he's wearing sunglasses the entire time, and it is a true talent. It's certainly something to like tip the hat to, to be not being able to see someone's eyes yes. for three quarters of a show, but yet give one of the most engaging performances mm. in the entire series. And I think he's a, he's definitely a standout for me. There's lots of little pockets of wonderful performances in this. I think like Tom Sturridge did a great job playing Morpheus. Absolutely. I think he really had that tone because like there, there is a there is a regal sternness to him, but you do see these little quirks these little amusements every now and again mm. and i found that came through quite well particularly weirdly when he was talking to the fates actually when he was talking to yes. the to the to the triumvirate i thought it was very playful mm. and they are very important everything you see in this series guys if we're lucky enough because mm. it is the most expensive show netflix have made if we're lucky enough everything in this season will affect everything to the end of the show if we're lucky to get all of it so it's all here. And then you can see, if you've never never read it before, it'll be fun for you guys to watch it and see where it goes. And those of us that know what's going to it's going to be, what are they going to tweak? Same with any comic, any comic book movie, the Marvel movies as well. They call a, they call mm. a film Age of Ultron, and they, but it's not the comic book story Age of Ultron. It's something completely different. Same with, same yeah. with the, Infinity, the Infinity Duo that we have. It's not the same as the book. And nor should it be. It should always be surprises for people. Yeah, agreed. 
Agreed. And and that's the other thing as well. Like like you always get the the quote unquote fans who get on their soapboxes and, and and say, I mean, granted, I know that I've done that on a few occasions with a few bits, but it's also done from a place of of conversation, of of, of debate rather than this is bullshit, you motherfuckers. Like it's like no no one wants to hear that. No one wants to be like that. It's exhausting. Like you can all have differing opinions on something and it all still be valid like 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 just because just because that you disagree with someone doesn't mean that you have to hate them and there's so much toxicity out there bottom line there is so much that is changed about this because it had to be because you're not going to fit 20 issues into 10 episodes and for it to be cohesive it had to be streamlined and i think that's they actually did a reasonable job of kind of like filling kind of plot holes in the story because of course Mm. while dream is unconscious when he when he crash lands in in the mortal realm in roderick burgess's house in the comic roderick burgess makes this like glass sphere bauble yeah <laughs> yeah to to keep dream in so he can't get out and he's he, he's got an incantation like cast on the ground and salt everywhere and all of these all of these spells to to keep him secure but in the book that just happens he just does it like apropos of nothing whereas in the series the corinthians there steering people and he tells burgess what he needs to do to keep him there and it's it it, it was it was fun seeing something that different having this this figurehead of evil kind of working things in the background where they don't square off until like episode nine no which again i thought was a really interesting thing to do because you then had the very last episode as a fallout slash final showdown, and the final showdown isn't even with the Corinthian. No, it was interesting. I think because, like, you see, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this in comparison. Like, like, like your exposure with the comics is a lot more mm. than mine, so I'm not sure how this comes across on the page. But in terms of my comparison, only really comes from the from the from the audibles and from the, and from the show. I find Morpheus a lot less vindictive in the series. I don't know if it means that they're t- like like if they just try to make him a little bit more likable because he's a really nasty piece of work uh, when he yeah. wants to be. Uh, it's who wants to watch a show where the main who where the main character is unlike is so unlikable. And the beauty of the comics they had from eighty nine to ninety six for his journey, and it it's ban that word so banning, but it is a journey. It's a tragic journey. Mm. Um, yeah, where he wants to, he wants to he realizes he has to change for the better. And he's so close. He's there, and something happens, and it's all taken away. So, if we were only to get, be a shame if it happened. If because Neil has said himself, it's not a given. No, keep watching it. Yeah. Keep watching it because like I say it's one of the. It's the most expensive show Netflix have thrown money at. So it's not a given, but he has said as well that he has the right to take it to it somewhere else if they won't make. A, so it's in play, the deal's there that he can walk away. They can walk away and he can take it somewhere else. Which he's which he's had to do before. Mm. Like not necessarily of his own volition, no. but obviously we saw the same thing happen with Lucifer. Mm. Fox had the rights to that for years, and then after spending like four billion dollars for Friday Night SmackDown, just dropped properties left and right. Yeah. They got rid of Lucifer, they got rid of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then properties Netflix again. Mm. For Lucifer turned around and said, Come over here, make it with us. And I would actually argue their version their production of that show was much better. So mm. I think it would be... Netflix, unfortunately, do not have the best track record with 
longevity of shows, they have just dropped things at a moment's notice. Mm. I'm still waiting for second season of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I am <laughs> livid. Yeah, to have go back to so to have Tim that thoroughly unlikable and that's just it for a season. You but I don't think people would have it would have become as popular as it has been. Mm. Like, he has to be like he, he there has to be a glimmer there, you know, and it's the way he's like and when he when he does smile as well. It's like so my favorite. It's not even an episode. It's half. It's this is one of the other ones. It's two stories in one episode. Where we get introduced to death, yeah. it's the second hour. I would sit and watch him and Hob for hours. That is my yeah. favourite sequence of this entire show. I was really glad they did that, actually. Mm. I think they had to. Like it's a very important turning point for the character where you have this you have this human, Hob Gadling, who in the in, in, in medieval times, like Morpheus is in this tavern and he sees this guy talking and and, and Morpheus is with death his sister and gadling is giving it the big and just saying oh yeah like i don't get like i've worked it out like death is a state of mind if i think i'm not gonna die i'm not gonna die and so death and dream make a bet and so he says okay you won't die meet me back here in a hundred years and we'll see how you feel and then a hundred years passes he goes yeah it's been great love it hey. see you in another hundred years and it keeps going and it blows Morpheus's mind. <laughs> yeah, so just how much he's just going. It's like, wait, so you've gone through all of this? Like, like, like the guy goes through such tragedy. Mm. He loses family. His wife dies. His son. Like, he witnesses all of this. All of the benefits that he gets from this immortality. He also deals with the fallouts and the and the horrific tragedies that come with it. But by the end of it. He's also picked himself back up again and said, yeah, it's great. I'm going to keep going. Love it. Why the hell would I want to die? But then you have this wonderful moment where he goes to find... Like, they have a fight in the 1800s. And because he, he calls Morpheus out on his bullshit. And he just says, I think you, like, you don't keep meeting me out of curiosity. You meet with me because we're friends. And Morpheus gets really snooty about it. And it's like, you're not my friend. Fuck you. I don't need friends. And leaves. And then during that hundred years, he's captured by Burgess. And it's just this really nice, like when they finally get to meet each other again yeah. in the in in the in the 2020s, like, like in the present. It's just a really nice moment, and it's not overplayed. There's not an over amount. There's not an even an overly amount of dialogue between. No, it's them that, that look. It's the smile on his face. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it it is just and again is something that comes across very well in that panel in the comic mm. as well. It's just lovely. Yeah. Yeah, give me more. I could sit and watch, just just I would sit and watch the dailies of that. I think it's fantastic. What I think is interesting is that like Neil Gaiman, like when you think about stories that he's made, like Stardust and like Neverwhere, as well. Oh, so good. You have these wonderful and fantastical worlds that are, that exist, but there's usually only one protagonist that it focuses around, and it's usually a human element or one supernatural element or something, but it's always a fish-out-of-water story. And I think that's where... It's not a criticism, but I think sometimes that there's a lot of focus on the humanity, because that's the point, because that's where Morpheus tries to be better, by seeing how humanity is and what he needs to do and how he needs to adapt. But I think that's also then where it's... I mean, I don't know how you feel, but like it's almost as though there's all these wonderful, fantastical things going on, but they kind of outweigh and dilute 
the human contingent that you're more focused on then on like what's happening with all the wild wacky and fantastical things that can happen yeah i get what you mean yeah um i don't mean this <laughs> guys it gets more weird and fantastical um as it, as this story goes along it is an odd one it's, it's an odd one isn't it because like i could tell you more about the creatures from the dreaming mm. and hell and all of these other bits then really i can remember i can remember rose walker and and, and the stories around that obviously jed and so forth but mm. really you latch on to the bits that happen with the story around them not yeah necessarily their stories if you see what i mean they are the plot device they are the MacGuffin. That yes push, yeah, yeah. Uh, and every story has to have them and rose walker's story i mean that's super important for what's going to come, especially with, um, we may as well talk about their magnificent for desire. God damn it. <laughs> yes, right. Now, yeah, Boom. I have, I have a lot to say about desire in this show. Desire is played by a non-binary performer called Mason Alexander Park, who people may remember from Cowboy Bebop as well. Mm. Uh, they play Sin. What a performance! Absolutely. I mean, what I, I just just incredible! Like another, uh, another, just so engaging. It just just, just draws you in. It, it it it's honestly mesmerizing. They are having the time of their life. You can see that one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Well, I remember I saw a tweet about this. Like like they got the role. They basically sent a tweet <laughs> to, Neil. to Neil Gaiman and said. This needs to be me, and he went okay. Mm. And, 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 and like it's incredible. Like they, they are, to an extent, some people may say like, like it's very over top, but that's the point. That is the... And I think it's it's it, it's such it's the it's kind of it's very rare you kind of see the Bond villain and the cat all rolled into one, <laughs> into... but that's kind of what the last scene ends up being. It's very telling because <laughs> Dreams Realm, the dreaming is full of characters. Desire's Realm, mm. it's. Just desire. There's probably pictures of desire all around them, <laughs> probably littered all around that statue of themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're jumping all over the place here, but I mean, and the, I mean, the guest cast, I mean, Burgess is Charles Dance. Like, yeah. Fan bloody tastic. Uh, so, yeah. so, but oh, just so cold and cruel. And Cain and Abel. If you're not prepared for that, that's quite shocking. But when if you're not aware of what goes <laughs> yeah. on there, and good God, that that change, I was crying over a CG gargoyle. Uh, that is so heartbreaking. I was like, oh God damn you! I did like seeing Goldie like that. Yeah. That was literally like Goldie, their new gargoyle. Just is it is again just straight out of the page. Yes, the changes for me go. We thought Lucian is now Lucien. That matters not. Fantastic performance. Exactly, absolutely. Plays a lot more of a bigger part mm. in this than 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 they do in the comic, because that was one other thing that jumped out at me. Like you don't see Lucian for a good long no. while. Like everything that happens, Morpheus is sort of doing himself. Mm. Whereas, like like the point of this is that for for where they kind of steer it in this is that he doesn't need to do it alone. No. And that's one of the lessons he has to learn. Yeah. And then obviously the one of the two big chain that everyone was bitching and whining about is the gender bending. Is that, I'm sorry, 
yes, the world needs a Joanna Constantine spin-off. Yes, it does. Give it to us now. <laughs> Get it on the screen. Get it on the screen. Absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Mm. Really enjoyed it. As Great. I had to watch this. My wife was away, and she said, "You better have that watch by the time I get back because it's, it's not her thing." You know, it's I. I have to pick genres. I have to pick my battles, and this is one that. And it was on. I was rewatching. I was rewatching it in the background. She said, "That sounds like Jenna Cop." And, <laughs> and the next thing it was Jesus fuck, and you. So what the hell? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, no. So this, this, that whole episode, and I mean. When Morpheus appears in the church and says his name is Agaleof, I thought that was Paul McGann. The voice was so like Paul McGann. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And speaking of speaking of the voice, have you read the interview where Neil on the first day had to tell Tom Sturridge, uh, turn it back, you're not Batman. He took it down so <laughs> low, he was like, he was he was he was like, I am Morpheus. It's like, a bit like McAvoy's, that's quite cold, that performance. It's Yes. That yeah. is the Heartless bastard, but I mean, he doesn't even deny it. He does. T- he tells Death, you know, "I'm far more terrible than you." In that episode, yeah. you know, he's you know, that I'm far more terrible than you. And then, of course, one of the big changes is Doctor Destiny in the comics. John D. He's in Arkham in the comics. Obviously, they couldn't use that. And yes. we have Jonathan Crane is in the Scarecrows yeah. in it. Martian Manhunt is there. We couldn't have that, which takes us to one of the most disturbing comic books I have, if not the most disturbing comic book I've ever read. Yes. Which is in 24 hours. Yeah. So, in the series, listeners, this is one that's called 24-7. It's episode 5. In the comics, it's called 24 Hours, in which John D. So, John D., who is the son of Ethel Cripps, who has been in possession of Dreams Ruby, in which he can do, get people to do all wacky and wild things and none more wild i'm not going to say wacky because it is completely mental than what happens in this diner when he breaks out of this institution he goes into this diner after he gets the ruby back and he starts not toying with people but it's it, it it's that it's that pushing of boundaries isn't it it's that it's it's finding how far people's sort of desire will, 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 will go and, and, and what steers them he wants them to be truthful he wants them to be them true yes. their true selves doesn't he yeah and it was so and i haven't mentioned this yet but but john d is played by david thewlis who giving again i i have very little negative to say about the performances that have come out of this show as a whole david thewlis is giving a performance that is magnetic it is engaging it is scary as fuck it is uncomfortable, mm. and in this episode, like I, I, I think if anything, I probably built it up a little bit too much in my head what to expect because I knew about yeah. the comic, I knew what happened. Um, in the audible, it, like to oh, hear the things gruesome. that happen was not great, very, very, very uncomfortable. So when it came to oh god, what am I going to see on screen? I think I built it up a little bit too much in my head, so it didn't have as much of an impact. The atmosphere, though, it's so... Yes. It's so tense. It's very claustrophobic. Mm. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's supposed to be mm. the intent, because it's supposed to be, like, they're in this diner. And they can't leave. And they can't leave. And there's loads of different stories which are happening, and 
there's there's lots of th- just you know people are kind of like driven by their desires and they're just fucking everywhere and thoughts. then then there's anger and rage and they're killing each other and just it, it it's just mm. horrible it is it, 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 it's a horrible episode but it is probably i would say one of the most known i i i think most people they said like like, like if they knew sandman i think they would know it for mm. that scene like, like for that for that issue like someone made a short film uh 24 hours there is a I think it's still on YouTube somewhere. It's on YouTube, or you can find it. Just skip it. I bet that'll disappear pretty quick oh, no, now that this Gaiman, is out no, there. He, he's seen it and like, yeah, it's part. Oh yeah, really? No, it's about yeah. It that it that is far more comic. That is far more comic accurate. Mm. It's it is something and oh, as it's kind of a series of two halves. You have the quest, which this finishes. Then we have the break. With death and Hob, and yep. then we're into the second half. So, but before we get into the second half, so of that first batch of episodes, like episode two felt a bit of a filler, but then that has and it has to build up the world, what have you, where you have Cain able, yes, what's happening yeah. to the dreaming, if you. Then obviously, then we get to episode three with Constantine, and that's that's toned down as well, actually, with because people keep breaking into Rachel's flat and she kills them. With the power of the sand, and well, in the comic, Rachel is also supposed to be a drug addict as well, yeah, isn't and she? It, yeah, and and she's using the sand as a narcotic, and that's which obviously they don't have time to go into that, that story-wise. No. So, but people there because in the comic, people burglars try and break in and they die horribly, and their flesh is all over the water. I mean, God, some some of this mm. stuff, guys, it will never make it on. To, no matter like HBO Max took it, it probably would, but. You don't need, with writing of this caliber, you don't need the shock, the gore, and just why yep. I was glad that that scene in twenty four seven was actually in silhouette. You know that you know where I'm going with the with the eyes. I'm yep. like, oh Jesus, don't do yeah, that. Yeah. Don't. I had to stop listeners. I had to, I was plowing through and went, shit. I know what's next. This was like at nine ten o'clock at night. Nope. <laughs> that's saving that for the next day time to take a break and I mean we've skipped entirely over one of the best episodes is Lucifer go- is Lucifer Morpheus ghost mm. goes to hell to get his helm They and if they make a replica of that helm it is mine that is a fantastic <laughs> fantastic prop and Gwendolyn Christie that's another that's another thing that, fan, that fans in quotation marks yeah. but yeah yeah by Christ, what a performance! Great performance, Great. absolutely outstanding. I was a shit because, like, I, I mean, like, there were some people. Granted, yes, one hundred percent, I agree. This would have been really cool, but a lot of people were clamoring for why is Tom Ellis not playing Lucifer in a Netflix show? Granted, but I think what Christie does was great. I think the only thing that would have worked for me if it wasn't her or Tom Ellis because Michael Sheen voices Lucifer mm. in the Audible. I think that was the only other thing that really would have worked for me. I wasn't sure about like the the duel. There was a couple of bits with the duel with Corrin because when like when when Morpheus finds out that Corrinson, who's a demon, like one of the lieutenants of hell or what yeah. have you, has the helm, has Morpheus's helmet after a deal that he made with a mortal, which in the comics is Sykes to get this talisman that's protecting him but you have this duel where it's kind of like 
top trumps of living things. And it's like the... This is the other thing, because in the comics, it's Corrin's indirectly. Yes. And in the show, they have it as Lucifer, which I thought was a really interesting term, because obviously, you know, it, it, it's to give some indication, that to give some idea of threat, because Morpheus even says he would never be able to beat Lucifer. No. Lucifer is too strong. Yeah. And they said the real world reason why they did that was, look at her. We would be stupid not to use Agreed. her. And uh, we, have, we haven't even touched on the costumes are fantastic. And her partner, real life, yeah. he designed her costumes. That's what. Oh, really? Yeah, her real life partner, he designed her costumes for her, for Lucifer. Ah, okay. Yeah, so they're all, yeah. Yeah, it's called The Oldest Game, the um, the fight. It's like, it's, yeah, it's the top trumps of imagination. Like, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, I can want better you and that. And then we have an ad. And, He's not present in the comic, but Matthew the Raven is there in the show, voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Who's more? Who's Morpheus is Jiminy Cricket. He's his conscience. Yeah. Which is another change, I think, for the better. So you, he just get, starts to gnaw away at that bloody iceberg that's inside that big block of ice that is inside mm. Morpheus. That's another thing that I read as well. People were moaning that it was Tom Sturridge's normal skin tone. They said we tried it. He would have been a fantastic cosplayer, but it didn't work on camera. Just yeah. guys, you know, and some of you have moaned about the hair and off. But you've got some of that in the flashback. I thought it looked great. Yeah, I thought no, it it's, looked... it's the um, the Robert Smith mop they were missing, and but I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I enjoyed the fact that we have that wonderful cut where he's standing looking at the the white. <laughs> And it just goes longer and longer. What the fuck is going on? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you go back in time. And that was good as well. Obviously, if we get season two, we will go back to hell. And that's very, very important as well. Yes, I'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. So obviously that's the sand, the helm. John D has the ruby, which leads to a fantastic fight in the dreaming, where he's intent on killing Dream. So he could become the Lord. He said, why should anyone be afraid of, of the Sandman? No one should be afraid of the Sandman. Mm. And thinks he's killed Morpheus, where, but Morpheus has tricked him the whole time into destroying the ruby. Because the sand and the helm do have parts of his power, but the ruby is actually a piece of Morpheus that he made shape and gave made to an object. So by him destroying it, it gives Morpheus all his power back and has made him more powerful. And that's another scene right from the comic where he's on the palm of his hand and he's looking at, well, I've killed him, I've killed him. And at, yeah. No, no, you haven't. There's <laughs> a great moment. And I think, I think obviously, the, the, the performance that David Thewlis is giving is, is wonderful. Is, it, it's a very formidable performance, only by the fact that, like, John D really is a very formidable enemy. He's a very formidable foe for, for, for Dream. And that last duel, like you do, I mean, obviously, you know that, like, it would be a very poor show if, like, a halfway through the series, they just go, ah, now Morpheus dead. Now let's watch sports. Yes. Like, you know, there's, there's, got, there's no kind of, like, much suspense of disbelief in terms of, is he going to survive? But how they do it is very good. And that, 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 that last duel is, is very good, very entertaining. Just dialing back to hell a little yes. bit, because oh. mm. I did find it quite funny. Like, like, like during the 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 game, 
Yes. Because they just say that it's the bit where they say, I, I am a butcher bacterium. Mm. But in the comics, they actually address that. So they do say anthrax. anthrax. And I always yeah. wondered why they didn't why they didn't say that because i think like people would identify more if if, if they say that they're that it's anthrax rather than yeah, bacterium um, granted poetically poetically it's wonderful but in terms of clarifying for the audience i think it just leaves things a little bit odd it's that thing though isn't it um like when something happens in real life that's similar to something that's going to be on tv and they pull the episode because of that sort of thing so like say if there have been an anthrax attack it would yeah. have been in so by changing that slightly yeah then, yeah, and so yeah. I know some people moaned. They said in the comic it's a wolf, and they change it to dire wolf, but they change it to dire wolf in the audible as well. And it's like it's a, it's a little Easter egg, guys. It's a little Easter egg. You know, enjoy it. We're all supposed to yeah, be you see, I... pop culture fat. Just enjoy what we get given, please. Part of me actually really want because I forgot in the audible that they call it a dire wolf yeah. as well. Because part of me just thought, did they call it a dire wolf because it's Gwendolyn Christie? Did they make a Game of Thrones gag without actually thinking about it? Oh, apparently, someone <laughs> said in a, another review that I've watched um, that in the background there's a broadsword. Apparently, if you look hard enough, there's a broadsword in there. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to. Uh, so I'm gonna uh, give this a good rewatch. Um, October time, and my other half's off again on her travel. So I'm gonna give it a complete sit deep rewatch and i did get her to watch the bonus episode and i'm not entirely sure she, she probably hated it but anyway. but it was cats so i think if anything <laughs> what yeah i think the bonus episode i mean we can get into that now we'll, we'll like, get like, like you know that's a natural break of the show you know we can we can we can go into the we can go into the into the bonus episode now because it doesn't really affect the other no half of the of the story which is why it's a bit of a weird one so after the first 10 episodes were made available in that first week, they released this bonus episode, which uh, it's an animated one, which was, what's the... A Dream of a Thousand again? Cats. Dream of a Thousand Cats, that's which, right. Which, funnily enough, it's flipped in order. In, these, in the comics, Calliope, that comes first, and then Dream of a Thousand Cats comes mm. afterwards. But I think that was to be, everyone was going, how the hell are they going to do this? That's why they put it first, I think. Just to go, this is what would this show could be anything. But I think, yeah, and I think this is part of the thing is that what the comics do, and I think what the audience may not be prepared for, this comic series is very like anthology. Mm. There are some bits that don't mean anything to the to the to the overall arc of the story, which is why I found it a bit odd that they made such a big deal about, we've got another episode for you. And knowing the way that most of the general populace works, they'll go, oh, there's more to the story. No, there's not more to the story. God knows what they'll think of the Shakespeare. <laughs> mm. Like, whilst Dream of a Thousand Cats was entertaining, ultimately, it's not the greatest story to do. Like, I would have rather had seen a longer episode of Calliope... Mm which is the second half of that episode than than Dream of a Thousand Cats. That's just a personal one for me. I think it was like like it was a fun watch but it just felt like it went on for a little bit too long and it, it doesn't really link up anything whereas Calliope does. Mm. And this is this is why I think like this episode and I like I I, I was talking with Re about this when we, when we watched it. Time of recording we watched it last night. Aha. Uh -huh. I wanted to because I wanted to get it in ready mm. for, for for this. 
that Calliope is a muse from ancient Greece who was captured by Erasmus Fry. Erasmus Fry, who in the show is played by Derek Jacobi. Oh, inspired. Who then... Oh, brilliant. Who then (laughs) gifts Arthur Darville, who is playing a character called Richard Maddox, gifts him this muse because he's got having writer's block and so he gives him a gift. I'm not... (laughs) Of horrible... Just just horrible... Horrible gifts. It's like, yes, let me let me give you the let me give you the present of this mythical creature that will that will inspire you and make you millions of pounds. Now, where's my lump of human hair from a person's stomach? Oh, I was watching it. Go, yeah, just off. Mm. Horrible. Oh, it's horrible. But Calliope, as the story progresses, you find out that Calliope was actually former wife of Morpheus. They they had a child together, which turns out to be Orpheus. Mm. As in Orpheus of the Underworld. Indeed. So there's lots of, like, you find out how Dream is kind of, like, tied into... Like, you find this out earlier on in the show as well, but in this episode, you really get more of an indication of, like, how much she is tied into not just mythology, but history. Yes. I found this portion of that episode to be important because this is where you... This is where you meet that, Morpheus. Oh, this is where you meet God, yes. the vindictive not vindictive this is where you meet the vengeful morpheus we've not really seen him not at the point where he was like like incarcerated for a century by the burgess family but how he found that his ex-wife mother of his child is wronged imprisoned assaulted regularly so that this man can be inspired to write books that he's being paid millions of pounds for and then he comes face to face with Dream. And it's quite chilling. Like, Sturridge's performance in that is fantastic. Hold your tongue. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) But even, like, when he's... When he finds Calliope, Mm -mm. and it's how they kind of, like, reconnect, and there's some really nice moments between them. But I think that was, like, like, that part of the episode, I think, was more important than anything that, like, thousand cats could have come up with. well it it is and because of orpheus that should god please 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 give us more should it get that far that this half of that episode is so important for what the final few episodes will be mm. so yeah so that yes so very 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 important little mini it's too many episodes but to make what yeah and it's uh, so important it yeah. is so important it's like, it's like Men of Good Fortune. That's an issue of itself, as is The Sound of Her Wings, but they put those two together. Which, and you kind of need that after the horror of John D. You need that little reset where we get introduced to death. And that is so... That's Apart from a few lines they took out, that is almost... And a, a scene added where there's another departed soul that death picks up, the guy on his honeymoon. That's not in the comic. So yeah. that's so, like... So apart from a few lines taken out, it's pretty much panel for that word for word, panel for panel, what we get in that in that issue. I saw a fantastic side by side on social media yeah. a little while ago. I saw it on Instagram where it was from the sound of her wings and is the bit on the park bench. Yes. Oh. So... And like how it's just like the dialogue is basically like ninety nine percent. 
yeah. what it is in the comic and like even how the comic cell is to how they translate that to camera oh, again yeah. is like almost like bang on positioning wise and stuff it's so well done big big props to kirby Hal baptiste absolutely in that episode playing playing death she's so lovely to mm. watch on screen she is honestly just effortless like she's brilliant in the good place mm. but there's but you know it's slightly different that there's a very exaggerated like comedy series whereas like where we get to this and this is the the calm before the storm as you yes if you will and this is where dream is trying to find his place he's almost having this existential crisis he is, yeah he is he is being a goth he's actually being what he looks yeah. like he is actually being a goth and death's helping him find his way back to to to, to being with with humanity uh, i like the little where he's walking down that alleyway and he try, he smiles at that bloke and the bloke is coming out the shop and he sta- he's just staggers back in horror. <laughs> this guy's smiling at him. Yeah. So, Won't be trying that again, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. tried it once. I've tried it once. <laughs> I love Tom Sturridge's fit. The way he hold, keeps his... He's so still. And he's just so much with just his eyes or just a tiniest move of his mouth. It's... Uh, and he is so deadpan. It's... Uh, as well as like... When death taunted him, like, how are you, sis? And he's like, oh. It's just like, yeah, yeah if I yeah. must. Yeah. And the same in Medical Fortune, where Hobbs goes about the, well, what about chimneys? And he's like, oh, what would you think of next? It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> so <laughs> glorious. It's, you know, and it is, because we haven't touched it. It's death, dream, despair, desire, delirium, and the prodigal who is destruction, as we'll find out if we get that far. They're all part of the endless. They are concepts. They are the children of time and of night. And they are anthropomorphic representations of concepts. Mm. It's so funny to see what they, each one has picked for to be. And something else we haven't touched on is Morpheus appears differently to whoever sees him. Yes. As we have that bit where he's in yeah. hell. Where he sees Nada. Nada, yeah. And he turns into an African. Very important. Mm. Turns into an African in the yeah. comics. It's- yeah. When he sees Martian Manhunter, he turns into the Lord of Dreams on Mars. He's just a big floating skull with horns and fire coming out of him. And obviously, mm. in A Dream of a Thousand Cats, he's a cat, a black cat the size of a wolf. It's yeah. you know, So he appears... It's very similar to um, how Galactus is viewed in the Marvel. Each race sees Galactus differently to us. So he, he's, that, he's the big purple dude with the tuning fork sticking out of his head. But to the scrolls, he looks yeah. different. So it's yeah, So he is different every time to whoever he appears so i want to i want to dial back to the to the the endless mm. a second because obviously we see morpheus through the entire series death crops up as well desire we kind of see sporadically through the show mm. something that i felt you know like some people may feel that basin was underused in this but there's it's literally when how much desire is in it for mm. before you find out that surprise surprise Desire is the one that's been steering this entire thing with the Corinthian. Indeed. Well, with well with everyone. Yes. The Corinthian with Unity, with the the whole lot. And I'll get I'll get to Unity in a minute. But the I feel as though a big deal was made about nothing over despair. Yes. Because if you're not like despair is across a lot of the posters as well. Hmm. I don't know if that was just a red herring, but like she's. Unfortunately, and I do think it's a character that you know will be good to see more of in the in the in the next run if we're lucky enough to get it. But it 
wasn't really a lot to go by. No, I mean, in, and in the show and in the comics, Despair and Desire, they're twins. Yeah. As it's... Trying to remember the order. Destruction's the oldest, who is the prodigal in the show. For spot, sorry, people, you were warned. Um, <laughs> that's the prodigal. Then it's death. Then it's dream. Uh, desire to spare. Um, delirium used to be called delight, and then changed. And that that'll be an interesting one, if if, if and when we get to her. What was with the fish hooks? Uh, what was with um, the fish hook rings where despair was basically carving into her face? That's in the comic. It's a it's a sigil, on the. the but why? As, like why? Why is she carving uh, into her face? I didn't get it's, it. She does it in the comic. I think it's um, just how just to, a hobby. Um, just how to? It's all the dark feelings, you know, people in the dark place, uh, self harm, and th- I think it's to show that a representation. It's right. that, and obviously okay. in the comics she's naked as well. So obviously, so they've had to. There are a few things they've changed for good and with good reason. Yep, well, yeah, yeah, so a, a lot of people have said didn't were on the same page as you. Not quite sure why. You know, yes, it's if you're doing it, shot for panel, panel shot for shot. Yes, she's there, but she does not, as you say, contribute anything to the large story apart from just being a silent partner in the plan. She's like, as long as yeah. there's no comeback on me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whereas desire, like, I couldn't give less of a fuck. <laughs> Bring him on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I can't wait to see a showdown between the two of them. Oh, no. I mean, that little bit we got. Absolutely that little brilliant. bit we got. Is that, and that's straight with yanking the hair back. That's straight from the cut as well. Yeah. Damn. So good. So good. So we get into the second half of the show with the with, with the mission, mm. as it were, with the obstacle. So we get to the point when we meet uh, a young woman by the name of Rose Walker, who is being taken to England. She's been flown out to England to interview someone called Unity Kincaid. Big pretense because it later turns out, we didn't talk about it at the start, but just get into it now. When Dream is captured at the start, things go very weird in humanity. People are falling asleep and not waking up. People are not going to sleep full stop because... The Lord of Dreams isn't there to, to manage these things. Funnily enough, that's actually based on a real event. There was a sleeping sickness around that time. I did wonder. Yes. I, yeah. I, yeah, I just went, I read an article and it went off and it went, and I went, oh, and it went, for more further reading, click on this. Oh, it is real. So encephalitis lethargica actually was real. And it, it, it's wow. saying it, no one, to this day, no one still knows what caused it. And it, you know, and yeah. Around that same period. So Gaiman sort of, oh, that's a story. What a good idea. Mm. So during this, Unity Kincaid, as a young girl, suffered from this sleeping sickness and was asleep for, you know, 60 years, essentially. Rose Walker gets sent to England to interview this woman. The pretense is that. The reality is that while Unity was suffering from this sleeping sickness, she was assaulted when she was younger and she was pregnant she had the baby and this is all things that happened while she was asleep this horrific story and she has the baby and the baby got adopted that baby turned out to be rose's grandmother and so she she reached out to him because rose is essentially her only living relative now rose and her estranged brother jed and so she wants to help rose find jed 
and everyone can come back and be one happy family. During this, because Rose is actually accompanied by her friend Lighter. Now, I want to talk about Lighter for yes. a minute. Because, I mean, Damien, as you talked about earlier, there is a, an unfortunate missed opportunity because of rights that belong to various houses. But Lighter, her full name is Lighter Hall. Let's go you one further. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Hippolyta well, yes, yes, this is what. Yes, yeah, this is this is what I did, this is what I was mm. allude, going to allude to because even though her name is Lighter, her full name is Hippolyta because she is the daughter of Diana. She is the daughter of Wonder Woman and Chris Pine and uh, <laughs> and, and Chris Pine. Yeah, with his with his with his fucking parachute yeah. pants. His, <laughs> oh Jesus! Mm. And it's, uh, so obviously they can't do that. In this, so I don't know. That would never happen. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get any indication that she's going to be. Do you know about the Hall? Who Hector was supposed to be the son of? Who was he supposed to be the son? I know who he is. Hawkman and Hawk. Yeah, Hawkman and Hawk girl, Hawk woman. Yeah, shame they couldn't because it would be make it all the richer. But again, it doesn't change that much. It's still such. It's still tragic. They keep the core of that story. It's just different. It, it, it's just, if anything, the the, the origin yes, stories are different. Yeah. But the the, the the course that events take and who that baby essentially will be. Absolutely. Which we won't go into that because no. that is a big no. spoiler for later. Yes. But that baby is a huge MacGuffin. Seriously, listeners, read the entire thing. Please, do yourself a favour and I will drop... A very controversial opinion a bit later. (laughs) So as this is going along, they get a lead that Rose's brother... Well, Rose is going back to Florida to find her brother, who 12 years previously... No, it's not 12, I'm being stupid. Seven. Yes. Seven years previously, their parents separated. Rose went with the mother. The father would not let Jed leave. No. Father passed away. Brother then went into the foster home system. Foster parents, big pile of shit. Well, the foster dad. The mum is just trapped, yeah, basically. Yeah. But we find out along the way that there's something a little special about Rose Walker. Rose Walker seems to be appearing in... seems to be witnessing other people's dreams. And that's when we find out that she is a... what is known in the in the canon of the dreaming, she is a vortex. Where essentially the dreaming will revolve around her in the end. Like, everything just sort of, like, just hurtles towards her. It's like a black hole for... The dreaming, in, a, in yeah. essence, it's yeah. Everyone will be pulled and sucked in and destroyed if yeah. she isn't destroyed. And Dream has done this every every generation. There is a vortex, and he kills them. Yeah, to save the dreaming. To be, yeah, in order to preserve the dreaming mm. and and, and humanity actually, because yes. it doesn't just affect the dreaming. It can tri- like like it, it like it, it it will basically envelop the waking world as well. Indeed, and that's where you find out. This idea of the vortex then captures the attention of our resident villain, the Corinthian, who disappears for a little bit after he sets John D on the path to get the ruby. And so he's off to go and find Rose Walker because with Rose's help, he can destroy the dreaming and they can recreate everything in their image. And so we see him do his do his hitchhiking teleportation job getting across really, really quickly everywhere which i found really really funny because he got the lead to go to england and then he went to england and then unity was like oh yeah she's in florida he's like son of a bitch one step behind yeah yeah this i thought was really funny because there was a lot of this that i that was again straight out of the Mm. books like to the like like to the point that it made me gasp yes because where we meet when rose gets to florida she's staying in this bed and breakfast 
where there's just a host of variety of characters. One of which, two of which, sorry, is a couple called Barbie and Ken. Oh, now, I, oh God. But did you notice that they were going to meet their friend, Cindy? Yes. Did you pick up yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was oh, <laughs> chuckled. I had a chuckle. I, Barbie's very important as well later. Oh, She's yes. In fact, they, yes, with the exception absolutely. of Ken, they all are. Actually, they all play a big yeah. part later on, but apart from Ken, poor Ken. <laughs> I saw. Well, we see, like, because like, while, while Rose is kind of like walking through everyone's dreams mm. inadvertently, she sees Barbie and she's dressed up as this princess walking through this see fantasy that. land, mm. accompanied by this, like, giant saber toothed tiger style creature voiced by Lenny Henry. Martin Tenbones. <laughs> Martin Tenbones. Ten yeah. When I realised what was going on and I caught it and I saw the creature went, wait a <laughs> yeah. minute. One, I completely forgot that turned up in the first kind of like anthology of books. Mm. I thought it was in the second. I thought it was just the second for the some reason. Yeah. For some reason, with the fallout of 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 of, of, of the reality. Mm. But that was really cool to see as a little preview. Absolutely. And yeah. again, like if we if we do get to see the oh, series, yeah. that's that's huge. It that's is. that's really big. Yeah, we have Hal who owns the guest the, the guest house as well. Who who wants yes. nothing more to be on the stage. Cabaret. That's that's his... that is damn talented as well. Oh, that routine. Are... Oh, absolutely. Was not easy no. at all. So, so like during this, so Hal, who is played by an actor called John Cameron Mitchell, <laughs> who is doing this variety drag act basically, and he's singing a song from Rose's turn, isn't he? Yes. No, he's doing Rose's Gypsy. turn from Gypsy. Yes. And and I, I, I won't lie, doing it rather mm. well. It's it's it, it it's it's not an easy song well, to say, and it's very well performed. He also wrote and started Hedwig in the Angry Inch as well, which is bloody Did good. He? Yes, yes. Okay, yes, which is bloody good. One of one of some of the I can a few years ago. It's video video den days. Like John just said, you might enjoy this. You 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 like all sorts. Give that a go, and I was like, glad he did because it was bloody good. Uh, Wow, I've I've never seen it. Like I know of it, and particularly, you know, it, it's mm, it's bloody good. It's come into like like it's had its revival yes, over the last it, kind of like five ten years as well. Bloody good. Uh, and then we have oh Zelda and Chantel, the the mute. Yes, yes. Where you're not sure what they are to each other, and and have the largest collection of stuff spiders. <laughs> and living upstairs, I vaguely recall they were. I vaguely recall they were a couple in the book. Yeah, you're, it's not you don't find out until it like the show. You're, no one, no one seems to know for certain. And yeah. later on, you do find out because that's important later on. And not a lot of these characters have a happy ending. There, like there were some characters that, like in my head, or comparatively to the book and the Audible as mm. well, I was like, I think these lot appear at a different point. And they are now a plot device for something else. Because in twenty four seven we have Trudy, mm. but I'm pretty sure Trudy and Donna Dot. are the couple in a relationship with that Rose is friends with in the second part. Yeah, because Rose is actually on the phone. That's who she phones from the diner. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Donna is very important later on. Sort of the one of the last big arcs before the what is the grand finale. As the last five, mm. the last four issues of the book, 
Oh, uh, cool. I won't give away uh, an epilogue. And the very last issue is a retelling of Shakespeare's The Tempest. As we have A Midsummer Night's Dream, which should be season two. In, yes. Which will be season two. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, we do have two. Adam. No way. Yeah. Yes, they said it'll be season two. So we've been to, we have got two, as obviously going back to Medic of Fortune, one of the many times Hob meets Morpheus, Shakespeare is in the tavern, one wishing he could be like Kit Marlowe and write successful plays. And they yes. say, oh no, he's shit. Good actor, but he can't write for shit. And Morpheus takes what and makes, makes a deal with him to inspire mankind through his writing. It, he gives him the inspiration and lets him remember all his dreams and he writes them down. That's how he becomes successful. And so we get two adaptations mm. of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream actually won a book prize and then they made it graphic novels and comics ineligible for it afterwards because no one expected it to and it won. I can't remember for what, <laughs> what book award it won now, but it won a very, very, very prestigious book award and then they changed the rules so graphic novels could not and comics could not be entered. So that's important as well coming up. But yes, so there's everything repeats. So all these people we meet now, some yeah. of them we will meet later. Uh, not all of them have a happy end. Mo, I think mm. only a couple, only a couple sort of have some sort of closure. The rest don't have a very happy ending. The rest, I thought with, there is a a resident in that B and B that we haven't got to <laughs> yet. The man upstairs <laughs> that, I, that that I want to talk about. The man upstairs, his name is Gilbert, mm. and in. The show he is played by Stephen Fry, and as he's known in this house, I, Lord Fry. <laughs> why he isn't? Uh, why he isn't a sower? Why he isn't a lord? <laughs> well, I, again, this is a character that just jumped off the page. Absolutely, I think he looked oh. fantastic, and it wasn't until because I completely forgot about Gilbert. About who he really is? Yes, because like during this, obviously, we find out that dreams mission now is there are three nightmares that are missing one is the galt one is fiddler's green not okay not not nightmares, not nightmares. fiddler's green is not a nightmare no. but beings of it's of the dreaming, dreaming yeah. are missing two nightmares and this other being called fiddler's green the big one that he still has to capture is corinthian he finds galt looking after jed during his abuse that i was not expecting no because in the comics it's brute and glob in the comics two demons from yeah. the dreaming yeah and they changed it and because galt has removed jed from the dreaming and they can't find him that's why you're right and t is basically giving him somewhere to retreat from his awful home life it comes out that they only took it for the money because they get paid money from the state yeah. to look after him. $800 a month it's to look disgusting. after him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. I have a hard time these days, obviously, with, mm. like, like with, with, with two kids watching watching things with, with children in distress, danger, upset. And, I mean, you know, like in The Sound of Her Wings, there's the, the, yes. the, there's the scene where, where, where death... Not maliciously, not in danger or anything like that. Um, picks up baby, talking to the baby, saying, "You know, yeah, that's no, that's that's it. I'm afraid that's your that's your lot. That's it. Come on, let's go." And it's done so gently, mm. but it is so oh, upsetting, so upsetting. And I'm glad that, like, for, because for a, for a show that is rated 18 on Netflix, I was so concerned that they were going to mm-hmm. have some sort of 
moment around the, the crib, and I'm really glad telling, that they kind of had that moment and then they left. Telling that they said, Chief, we can go now to Morpheus, and they go, and you just yeah. hear what you hear it in the background as it fades and it fades. Yeah, you have this. Yeah, you have this distraught mother. Yeah, you 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 leave before this this incredibly just just traumatic mm. moment and. But but Jed's story is just heartbreaking, and I but this this like Galt giving this kid this this wonderful imagination, his own pocket, dreaming mm. in in essence to to play mm. in his own little mental playground. Where he is, and the, where he is the Sandman, you know, the, the which got me because I because I wondered if we were going to see Wesley Dodds. Wesley Dodds, listeners, is a character who finds the helmet in the. 40s or something like that and it's how he he uses it to he basically becomes a vigilante mm. in essence but he doesn't get the helm back until he loses it and then someone doesn't get it back until much later which is in the first issue that's the sleep of the just, just. yeah and he's a part member of the jsa the justice society of america yes he was, he was. Mm. also listeners plays very minor but important part in another if this facet this grabs your attention for Seek out Kingdom Come by DC, mm. by DC Come as well. Seek that out as well because that's yeah. another. But it's not related to this tool. But Wesley Dodds does play a very small but pivotal role in that as well. But yeah, the mm. DC do this very well. They have their legacy characters. You have the Golden Age Sandman, and then you have another Sandman. It's all. It's like you have the Earth One Sandman, the Earth Two Superman, Earth blah blah blah. They have all that. Yeah, they do yeah. legacy characters very well. DC. So yeah, so. But yeah, he's running around in his little sort of Halloween costume, righting wrongs. It's 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 so fun to see. Yeah. And what got me was when when he and Rose are finally reunited in this dream, and you've got Morpheus behind her because he's kind of teaching her how to how to traverse mm. the dreams, so that he can find Jed yes. and she can find Jed. And there is a moment, this like like just to echo what you were saying about Tom Storage earlier, yeah. that when when Jed is saying, I am the Sandman, Morpheus has this almost like playful smirk on his face. Like and he's just he's almost having fun with him. You are the Sandman. You are the Sandman. <laughs> I read that Really before we before we started tonight, I was reading that again. In the he's got the helm on, and so you would be robbed of that wonderful so he's has, he's laughing oh, it's so good. he is the helmet and he's actually laughing in it but yeah so, but we would have been robbed of that of just that so, what the just go roll with it and it just amuses him I think it's the first time he's seriously is amused by something in a long time yeah it's it, it's just it's just a really like almost almost heartwarming moment mm. that he's having with this kid just like humouring him as well really like he's not being a He's not being asked about anything. No. He's being quite, he's going, being quite patient and just having a bit of a laugh with with the kid. It's, it's, it's really fun to see. But then Rose gets a lead on where to find Jed because Jed has been broken out of his house. Oh, and how? <laughs> yeah. The Corinthian has worked out who Rose's brother is, found him, broken him out, killed the foster family and is driving him to florida no 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 he's not going to florida is he uh, he's, he's taken to another town to the convention the cereal convention which in the comics and the show it's ser- as in breakfast cereal but it 
it's a front yeah. for something far more sinister, which we sort of skipped over. There's these sort of vignettes of the sort of normal people just chatting about things. And you think trying to get set up a convention and a, their guest of honour is not going to be able to attend. And you wonder where this is going. And they're about, oh, about the Corinthian. And you suddenly find out they are serial killers. They're murderers. And they all have a different gimmick. And to get yeah. his attention, they decide to copy him. And it does get his attention. And, and how? They refer to themselves as collectors. Yes. And yeah, they have this 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 serial, quote-unquote, convention. Oh. Which is... Which is... Played for laughs a bit later. When... when Gilbert. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very much. So during this, so Gilbert, played by Stephen Fry, who's one of the other residents of the Bed and Breakfast, says to Rose, you can't go on your own. What if you need help? Like, you you may need help along the way. Let me go with you. And so this middle-aged English gentleman... In a tweed suit, oh, he must be roasting his ass. Did he have the Did he have the cape as well? Because he has. Yes, he yeah, did. he's got the cape in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing like the, the you know, like the the, the Jack the yeah, Ripper style, yeah. like rocking it, rocking it like John Pertwee, man. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. god, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. What a look. Yeah. But yeah, he was wearing that through Florida and everything. I just thought oh, he must be roasting your ass off. <laughs> Unbelievable. But they get to this convention because the Corinthian phones them, not sinister, just being like, oh, yeah, I've got your brother. Like, I found him. Come meet me. I am, I'm in this town for business. And then you can pick up your brother. I mean, nothing sinister or red flags about that whatsoever. Absolutely I mean, oh, not. <laughs> so during this, and it's all that this, this, this entire episode is called Collectors. And it's at the convention. That's shit insane. And it's, <laughs> Oh, it's ridiculous, but it's so well done because you just have this this ominous pit in your stomach feeling for like the entire mm. episode because there is there is a there is a character called Funland who you you find out has a a penchant for uh, the younger members of humanity. Mm. And it's just uncomfortable. Mm. It's very uncomfortable. This is like this is something this show does very, very well is it, it is provoke response and provoke emotions from you. It's a very, very good show. Very well put together. And you just have these moments where you just like something, something's going to go on. Like something's going to happen. But I think what's really funny is that like as, as this is going on, like Gilbert and Rose turn up at the convention. They're trying to find Jed and they're trying to find the man that saved him. And they're trying to get through and they're going to go through to the convention and then guy on the desk which turns out to be funland stops him and says oh you can't go in only attendees of the convention are allowed in oh we're looking for my younger brother no children are allowed in the convention and they're like well that's weird it's a cereal it's a convention about breakfast cereal like there's no children and it's a convention for breakfast cereal and so they manage to break in and look around and it's just this really weird but quite funny montage Mm. Of Gilbert Go to panels. going from panel oh, to panel God. and listening to what they say, and it's the it, it's the gradual degradation of like they they're speaking in so many metaphors, and then after about like four different panels, the metaphors kind of tail off, and they're just being really yeah, you see the penny, about how the they just like killing people. He's just a he is just a ghast. Uh, it's do you know what? The only way that I could attribute that is the moment with Jason Lee looking around the bar in Chasing Amy after he sees Joey Lauren Adams kiss the woman. Yeah. And he's just like looking around and then it's the it's just the the the, the, the smirk and the, the nod. nod. Yeah. Oh, 
oh yeah like that yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a, a bridge too close to that and, <laughs> and also kudos as well for with funland as well not mentioning the place because they'd be suited to high heaven and also yeah so, it changed, it's almost like it's almost like he's got a Batman cowl on, isn't it? Yes, I noticed yeah, that. It's like it's, it's like, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like a Kevin, like Kevin Smith's, <laughs> Kevin Smith little Batman <laughs> thing, yeah. As well, and it's uh, yeah, because they're all named for either what they do or where they do it, and it's yeah, um, it, and I mean, this is toned down. This is toned down quite a bit from the and from the Audible and the book as well, as, mm. as well as you don't get to see some of what goes on, and, but you have obviously the the bogeyman who's found out to be fake. And that's how they yes. and Jed discovers it. Is it Jed that walks in on it? Um, kill, yeah, it's yep. Jed. Yeah, it walks in on him and and then runs and oh. And it's when Gilbert sees the Corinthian and realizes what's going on. Finally, realizes what is going on. Yes, yeah. Knows the only way to stop this is to get help from Morpheus. Is in in the comic he yep. he leaves and leaves and notes it. Please, Rose, say this name if you need help. I can't stay. He leaves. He leaves oh, her, as okay. opposed to him going into the dreaming. As to say that he needs to go. Mm. He yeah. Where he goes to? I need. Where is he? Where is he? Well, he's looking for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because as we have revealed to us shortly after that, that Gilbert is not who he, he says that he is. Because as we then realize, and I turned around to read when the penny dropped for me, and she just went, "What do you think he's?" Do you think he's the the missing dream? I said, what color is he wearing? Yeah. Like almost exclusively, what color is he wearing? And 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 we just went, oh, he's wearing mm. green. And again, that's fiddler's it's green. It's lifted straight from the page. It's mm. yeah. And of course, that's still not the final revelation with him because he's not he's not a him. He's a place. That's yes. the other thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he turns into this 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 huge like massive meadow mm. and as well. Yeah. Outstretched, a literal, land, a literal is, green, is just stunning. Yes, yeah. And during this, Morpheus and the Corinthian had their final standoff, which was great, oh, brilliant. Which, I mean, again, credit to Boyd Holbrook on this because I don't remember feeling almost sorry for the Corinthian prior to this. No, I mean, but they really give you a clockwork orange mm-hmm. effect with this. He does far more nastier things in the book, obviously. In, Agreed. Yeah. And obviously you have that um, bit where he's trying to find Rose and he ends up at her apartment where one of their friends is watching it for them and he seduces him. And it's like the best lady this guy's ever had. And he so comes so close to having his eyes removed. So close. Yeah. Uh, he had a lucky escape. One of the few people that have a lucky escape. But that showdown, yeah. Is fantastic, and then where Morpheus basically shows the collectors for what they really are, and yeah. just and then they some of them find the plane and turn themselves in, others kill themselves because it's left open ended in the comic, yeah. it's left ambiguous what happens. But here we see it. Oh, yes, Ooh. yes, it is. Yeah, because the good doctor she turns herself in, the guy, oh, is it Nimrod? The hunter, yeah, Nimrod. The hunter, he Nimrod, he, yeah. he shoots himself, and obviously played by Kerry Shale, yes. which I thought was fantastic because so brilliant. So there's there there are so many layers to this appearance, guys. Because like Kerry Shale is uh he's an American actor. Some people might recognize him. He was in uh, he was in one of the very first 
silence episodes of Doctor Who. Mm. He's the guy that was in the orphanage. Wasn't yes, he? yes. He's the like like he's the doctor in the orphanage yeah. or the asylum. Is orphanage or asylum? Yeah, lost his mind. He's lost his goddamn mind. Yes, yes. yeah. Uh, he's in that, but I remember him growing up for doing a lot of BBC radio dramas, specifically. Now bear with me because I know that makes me feel as though that I because I know that makes me sound like I'm 85. But my point here there was because he was involved in the Batman radio yes. series. He was part of the dramatization for Nightfall, which Dirt Mags was also yes, responsible right, for. Who also produced Audible Sandman. Sandman as well. Dirt Mags. Kerry Shale is also in Sandman yeah. as well for Audible. He like like he's working with that. So there's lots of oh. this is what we were saying about earlier where there's lots of weird little tie-ins to the audible show where it's like oh yeah we can't have them playing that but no come over here do and this. do this for mm. us and it's not it's i can't really class it as an easter egg because there's only a finite amount of people that would really register it mm-hmm. but like when i pick these people out and see them i go oh that's really cool because of this that yeah. and the other but when i picked up because kerry shale has a very distinctive voice and so when you recognize that it's him like for me that's really great i literally hear about five different voices that he's yes. done when I hear it, mm. it is it it is very distinctive for me. But yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yes, but yeah. So yeah, that ties that little segment up. And obviously, bef- we then get transported back to the dreaming. Morpheus has Rose. He is going to kill her to save everything. Victor's green turns up. Stop. Take me instead. He's like, that's not how this works. You know that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he said, I will give my life gladly. He says, that's not how this works. You know that. This has to be done. And he has this wonderful speech about how he feels he's failed. As a, he was a fake human and he feels he's failed her. As later on, it, turns, it transpires he's a little bit in love with her. And right, it says, right, it says yeah, earlier, yeah. if you choose to stay in the dreaming once you've died, please walk through my meadows, sit under my trees, enjoy my shade. And then he dissolves back from human form into this. So in, a, in any British show, this would be a quarry. Uh, you know, any science fiction British show, this would be a quarry somewhere. But it's a, <laughs> it yeah. is, it's a desolate, yeah, yeah. it's a grey space, a grey expanse of space. And it is where Fitter's Green left the dreaming. So it's, right, all, yes. it's all very well thought whether he's brought Fitter's Green back to where he needs to be. So this is the only outcome. And he transformed back into this glorious green landscape. And Rose said, well, get it over with. If you're going to do it, do it. And this is what got quite interesting for me, because during this, we see Unity is asleep, mm. has gone into Lucian's library, which this was the only thing that I thought like could have done with just a little bit of exposition, yes. because she literally knew where to go. It's like she just appeared. Lucien didn't think, huh, this is a bit odd. Like Everything's just, just gone along with. But we've like like Unity does some digging in the story. She, she finds the book, which is the story of her life, and it transpires that she's supposed to be the vortex, and it shouldn't have been Rose. It was then just passed down to her as a result. And I think that's not a criticism, but I do think that it's handled a bit better in the book than it was in the show. It's a bit Deus Ex Machina, is it? A bit. Yeah, it's almost like 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 it's it's it's. It feels like it's explained away too much, where in the comic, Unity is just putting it as a hypothetical to Morpheus, and he agrees that that's a 
possibility, so, which is why I go away with that. Again, really fun when, you know, Unity says to Rose, take what you see as the, uh, the what makes you the vortex, take it out of you and give it to me, which mm. is essentially how Morpheus makes the ruby in the first place, mm. because that's what they do in this. Like, Rose literally pulls a huge ruby heart out of her body. Which is, gives Morpheus a clue, and then Unity supplies the rest of it, which she doesn't in the comic. Mm. It's more explicit here. It's a, the golden-eyed man that came to me in my dreams. I'm always hang on. I know there's only one being I know, the golden eyes. Yeah. So obviously, yep. so the heart is handed over to Unity. She absorbs it. She's now again the vortex to kill me. I've lived my life. She hasn't. I've had I've had all this. You know, I've lived my life much of it asleep. But it's my time. So Morpheus complies this disaster is averted we've also got some we've going back to lighter in the dreaming uh oh her yes dead husband yeah. hector is there and is trying to convince her to stay in the dreaming which is dangerous enough which causes more damage they go to bed and then the next day she's pregnant and then she finds out she's pregnant in the real world as well and as we alluded before that yeah. baby is super important and when but we're not big we are not very very big yeah it's very very big no spoilers on that one that is very far down mm. the line but it is very but we have the cold morpheus there he turns and goes this must be stopped but snap finger hector's gone kills destroys what yeah. hector's spirit and lighter sweat makes she's made an enemy of morpheus is now an enemy as far as she is concerned and again that yeah major for down the line it's so good. Mm. I mean, like, I mean, like, like during this, like the when you have that reveal, like you were saying, like where Morpheus puts together that desire has been behind this entire thing. What I think was interesting, because again, in the book, all is handled is you find out about Unity's assault when she's yes. younger. You don't know who. You don't know when, how, what have you. It's just he 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 manages to piece it together, and I can't remember how off the top of my head. Can you remember how he comes to the conclusion he just, in the book? He just noticed. He said that he, he said your handiwork was all over, and he said, "Oh, was it that obvious?" He's like, to me, it was. Yes. Said, no. As a matter of fact, it <laughs> wasn't. Whereas, whereas <laughs> the clue is given to make it more explicit to us. It's the golden eyes, and we've yes. already seen. So yeah. Oh, because there is a big no no. So therefore. As Desire has fathered Unity, his baby, yeah. and it's gone down a lot. So therefore, Rose and that side are part of the Endless. And the Endless are forbidden to spill their own blood. They cannot they cannot take arms up against each other. They cannot kill each other. And again, that is very important for later on. Otherwise, It's important, but it's not spelt out no, in the beginning no. because the very last line that Desire has in this show is that next time I'll spill but, blood. Yes, yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's one of those big no 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 nos. Great consequences will happen if if this if this were to happen. So mm. so again, so okay, it's all it's all the setups all there, and it's like it's as I've been rereading because I have. I found I have digital copies of the whole run, and I am getting the absolutes as they're all coming back into print. I need, yeah. So yeah, I've got three coming. So there are the main story. If guys, you're interested, the absolutes are it's glorious. They're oversized. It's glorious. 
There are four, the main stories in four of them. There is a fifth volume, which has got one-shots and miscellaneous things and things with Wesley Dodds and, the, and a prose story. Uh, Death has her own little omnibus uh, absolute as well. And for the 30th anniversary of Sandman, a few years ago, we had Overture, which is the prequel. It tells the story of Dream fighting the... I reread it two days ago, actually. Mm. The fight Dream has, he tracks down the Corinthian, which is from the beginning of episode one, where he goes to get the Corinthian to bring him back to the Dreaming and unmake him. And he's stopped and pulled into another battle in the comic. In the show, he's Burgess. Is, that's where they snare Dream and he's in prison. So that's how, right. that's how the yeah, Corinthian yeah. then knows where to go and have it. But sure. in yeah. the comic, in Overture, it's it's another kind of vortex in our whole universe dies because Dream fails to act properly and it's we it weakens him enough that he's on his way back to the Dreaming and he's in Snack as the last few panels. It's you hear in the dark, you know, uh, the incantation. You start seeing it appear and he's pulled. And it, the last panel is a recreation of Morpheus in that circle, sprawled out. That's the last panel. So yeah, uh, so okay. So that's the prequel. As well. So there's so all in all, you're probably looking at just shy of a hundred issues here and there. So it's not it's constantly in print as well. There's they've reissued it. Um, I was in London yesterday, and um, mm. with Claire and a friend and her little girl, and um, Claire's like, "Oh, this is the one time we're not going to go there." And I said, oh, "I want to go there." And like, where? And of course, my friend, my friend's little girl is a massive Spider-Man fan. She's like, "Oh, I want to go there." Yes, <laughs> so we took to the planet, and um, she's got got into Spider Gwen. So I bought her a um, a trade with Spider Gwen. Go there, you go. That's from me to you. All right, and then we bought, and I'm getting death stares from. <laughs> get them, you know, it, it's they are it's they are it's ways it's ways to read, guys. It's the you know it's yeah. and I'm going to drop my controversial. This is a better piece of comic book. Comic book fiction than Watchmen. I've got Watchmen, I've read it, I've got it up on the shelf and stuff like that. I've read it. It's it is great, it's brilliant. But as a story, this I feel it's this is far superior to Watchmen. And I know that'll, that'll annoy a lot of people. But um I don't care. Because <laughs> everyone's opinion is valid. Everyone's absolutely valid yeah 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 so absolutely I mean, I, I'm just I'm just I I'm am just I'm just digesting that a moment <laughs> as I, as I, I as I think about it because yeah you're right. It's a they're both Really, really big mm. pills to swallow. Mm. These like 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 those stories, like Watchmen and Sandman are. Uh, they are iconic. They yeah. are. I mean, um, I, I, I mean, I, I, but it's, but in terms of adaptation, I think yeah, I, I think this is probably this is probably more true to form. Trouble is, you'll never get an intention than than Watchmen. You will never get Alan Moore. To put his name to anything because of this, because of what 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 happened with Watchmen and the Killing Joke and things like that, you'll that's why you can yeah. do you can you can call it what you like, but he as far as things that it's not what he and I find Watchmen. I mean, let me let well let me be fair a second. The animated version of the Killing Joke was something that none of us expected, and for fifty percent of it, didn't want. No, that was not no. like like that. It isn't the biggest book on the planet. It is not. But I would have rather had like an hour-long animated movie of that comic be done accurately and 
um, and, and in favor of the source material mm. than this ridiculous story where we had, okay, now Batgirl's going to have sex with Batman on a roof. What? Yeah. No. What? I, I was similarly like, annoyed with, like, like there's, with Hush as well. I was annoyed with that. Oh, Hush was a hush. Hush was abominable. Yeah, I, I remember messaging you so after I watched annoyed. it and just went, "I don't know what I just watched." But the, the changes they made to the Long Halloween, I'm fine with that because that is fantastic. Yeah, that that's great. great. But yeah, so but double bill of that was mm, really good. But I find Watchmen, um, I find it depressing. It's just so nihilistic. Uh, whereas mm, this is this yeah. is tragic, but as he says. He is hope. There is that annoying theme of hope going yes. through the whole story yeah. as well. That's what and Neil Gaiman is Alan Moore is as well. The two they are some of the greatest writers this this tiny mm. island has ever produced in any medium. Any medium. So whether yeah. no, so I agree. I, yeah. His his body of work, I mean he he is he he is modern fairy tale mm. storytelling, like done right. Like is like in 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 any in any format to any age bracket. Absolutely. You know you can like Stardust for kind of like slightly older kids yeah. all the way out to adults, right to here, like the, uh, like the top end of the scale for adults with Sandman mm. and, and Neverwhere and, and and these other stories, like, American Gods. Coraline as well like like I can't think of many authors that have that kind of broader spectrum in terms of entertainment value and engagement no with its yes. audience and he's ours yes yeah no, no, yeah <laughs> yes no we are bloody you know bloody lucky that that this got that he finally could realize his vision and it I'm astounded I've seen it and it was it's real it was real. Yes. I, so much I wanted to tell you after I, I, I can't and I don't want it to ruin it nah, for you. But, uh, uh, uh. So that's why I thought I'm just going to make the statement that it's the best thing just from one episode. I, this is it. I, will, I don't think we will ever see anything that is so bump. And you can't moan you can't moan because the changes have been made by the person that wrote the bloody thing, and they've had yeah. you know they've had, he's had all this time to look at it and go. That will work. That works if you move that there. That can move there. That does. That's not necessary. Uh, if you didn't know, you wouldn't even miss the start. The DC characters that are in the start of this. If you didn't know, no, but not at all. It, it not just, at all. Really? I mean, this this has been like really well received. I think you know, like current Rotten Tomato scores at time of recording at eighty six percent critics, eighty three percent audience. Um, I think it's safe to say it's been very well received. By a lot of fans and, and and newcomers alike, I think where it hasn't been a particularly well known property for no. general population. I think in terms of this, again, it, it it's modern it's modern fairy tale. It's modern mythology. Those of us that knew, well, please don't let this be bad. Please and please, actually, please, it's coming. I can't believe it's coming. As just as Neil Gaiman has quite said, this is like a near three thousand page story. How the hell is it ever going to be a two to three hour movie? Mm. Never going to happen. Yeah. And something that isn't talked about that when this first came out as a comic, the majority of the people buying it were women. So yeah, this is some. It just spoke to them. It spoke. It brought a ton of women into 
into the media and as it quite rightly should have done. Mm. It's just a media for all, and we've spoken about this many a time when we speak before. It's these things should be open to everyone. There should be if it's not, it will die. If we don't yeah. bring new people in and get them in and boom. These are important, read these, but go and find what you like. You know? Yeah. It's the same with a lot of fandoms as well. It's like the only thing is the ones that feel hard done by they're the ones that have to shout the loudest. Yeah. Um That's the that's the that's the sad reality yeah. really, is that it's always the loudest voices. The loudest voices will always be the ones that have the the, the worst to say. Yeah. Because uh, they're they're so desperate to be I heard. know it's like recently, I mean, Neil has done a fantastic job with people moaning, and he'll respond to them on Twitter. He's been responding to them like mad. I'd go and breaking them down, going, "But no, no, Sam Am was always woke. You were not reading it properly. Re-re- go and reread it. He's, <laughs> yeah. t- he's telling, go and reread it, and tell me, tell me, tell me what? Why is that different? Go and reread it. And another good one. Well, look at he, he like he 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 literally writes the description of desire. As as, as as straddling genders, oh. that's not something that that's not something they decided to do for the show because that, of Mason Alexander that, Parker or anything like that. That's literally how is, he is written. Yeah. That's literally how that like how that character is written. And this was nineteen eighty nine, and it's almost now on exactly how it's drawn. It's like come on, yep. uh, and another oh Desire's Realm that statue oh, is right on the page is fantastic. And another great one that was um. Recently as well. Oh, going back to something else that's fantastic as well. Um, this is how far behind the time when you have someone that doesn't like genre shows as a rule. We tried watching Stranger Things when it came out. Uh, watched that one episode. I was hooked. And my wife was like, no. So I left it and kind of forgot about it. And then I saw this hype about what's this, Eddie Munson, Eddie Metallica, okay, I quite like Metallica, what's it, Wait, and I, I binged <laughs> all four seasons in a week and a half. Amazing. And love it, I love it. and now I'm hooked, hooked, hooked. I've, I've even, you can't see it listeners, but I've made my own t-shirt with Robin, oh, it's great, uh, <laughs> my own art, and Metallica themselves were like, got asked, like, what do you think of all these kids getting in, anyone could be Metallica, James Hetfield, I said, anyone could be a Metallica fan, there are no gatekeepers to our music. There are, the only thing you should be doing is holding them open to let them in. We welcome all ages. Absolutely. All colours, all creeds. Our music is for everyone. Yeah. And quite right. So it's, it's, it is for everyone. Otherwise, the shows and things we love will die and be pushed off to margins and will all be marginalised. Listeners, you have no idea how, how this has shifted. Whereas things yeah. we like... And you're hopefully tuning into this, and we watch ridiculed for for years, and all of a sudden something dropped, something clicked, and it all shifted. And now everybody, everybody and their mothers know who Wolverine is, Deadpool. Uh, everyone always knew the big names. Like everyone knew who Batman, Spider Man, and Superman were. If you told us ten, fifteen, twenty years ago that the biggest film franchise in the world would be from Iron Man, Thor, who? You'd, you'd laugh in their You would absolutely right. laugh in Rocket their Rocket who? Yeah, you'd laugh right. in their faces. I, mean, I, I knew. <laughs> um, but yeah, but say people can't can't come in because they're mm-hmm. a woman, they're gay, they're, they're, they're too young. Bullshit. It's for everyone. Everyone should be allowed in to yeah. enjoy it. 
who are you to deny? That could spark someone's imagination. You could have the next, the next Neil, could be just getting into this and watching this. Hopefully not too young, yep. watching this, but couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, yeah, couldn't hear about it or Coraline, Stardust, and it inspires yes, them. Yeah. So it, I know we spoke about it a lot, and it it enrages me, and I know you you're not a fan of it either. It's just it's wrong, and no, no, no. I have, wrong. I have, I, 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 I. I am not, I am not a calm man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I, I am a very, I am a very stress-filled man a lot of the time. Um, it's a normal amount. And I'm of very, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it, just 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 in general, you know. Um, but when it comes to things like this, I think there's, you know, you can you can have a conversation. You can be. You can be irate about something. You can be animated. You could like 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 raise your voices if you want. Talk about it. But you need to then be to be able to down tools at the end and just go, cool. Okay, if that's where you're at, great. I can see. It. It's like the conversations I've had with people over the years about like about the DC movies and things like that. They said, oh, they're bollocks. They're so badly put together and this, that, and the other. I said, yeah, but I take points A, B, and C from those movies and I enjoy those. The rest, I just, I just blot that out. I don't. What is it? Like, like, like. At the end of the day, it's there for entertainment. A lot of things, they're not there to push boundaries. A lot of the time, Hollywood just wants to throw lots of explosions at you. Great, cool. I go along for the ride. But to then turn around and just say, "Well, you are wrong." No, it's not about being wrong. It's about, it's about having a take, be it a hot take or a really wild take or anything like that. It is still a take, so- and hopefully. With this, that's like 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 with this show, I really do think, and, and from what I've been seeing, like comments wise and, mm. and, and reviews, I do try and steer away from a lot of them half the time. Oh. But from what I've been reading about this, a lot of people have been saying, you know, they've they have put their hands up and just said, "Oh, I used to love reading the books, but I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical about watching it." And people have come up and just gone, like almost guiding him through, and just said, "Nah, I love the comics and." for the direction they have to take because of various reasons, be it time, money, we can't do that. We can't, we can't do that anymore. It's not right. That's too much. You know, like, like what they do with this production using what has, like using that source material and adapting it to what they can, I think, you know, we hit on this before, is the best version of what they could do under those circ- like like under any circumstance i'm not saying those circumstances that indicates that there was something wrong with the production because ultimately i don't think there was i do want to take a moment like like just before we wrap things up i want to move on to the potential mm. a second because obviously like as we as we hit on before a second series whilst looking quite positive is not 100 percent definite and even neil gaiman has said that himself in terms of the second series if it was to happen, what sort of things would you like? Like, what would be kind of like the two, like, like your your top five things that you would like to come out? Because, because, like, I think like a big one for that, which we are bound to see, because it's hinted at in the end of the season, is that Lucifer goes around and just says, "Oh, do you know what would make God like really angry?" Yeah. And everyone's thinking he's going to go to war because that's what he's talking about with Azazel. When in reality, spoiler alert, listeners, the reality is is that what he decides to do is is hang up his horns he 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 abdicates and then he just hands the keys to morpheus and goes tag you're it you choose who rules hell bye bye that will mess with some people's heads because they'll be but that's a marvel character no 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 that's 
some Norse gods turn up, guys, and do you think they'll do that? Because I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll use it. Like they have to use the Fae because yeah. because they have to bring Nuala in. Yeah. But I don't. I would be very surprised if they bring the Norse gods in. Well, one of them should be unless they substitute him for someone else because he plays a bigger part with the baby. That's true. With the baby. Yeah. Like, but um, definitely, definitely, that's they've said that's a given that. And so you don't hire Gwendolyn Christie and then not. But, but so we're definitely doing that. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is definite on the cards. Um, Ra- cool. Ramadan should be in there. With the, the Tale of Ancient Baghdad, that should be in there um, for definite. Um, it it's, it's uh, Dream Country, I believe, is the overall title of the first arc of the second volume. I can't. I'm not reaching up there now. As after this, like I said, it's not so much. It's stories here and there that tie into a bigger theme. There's not so much of a through narrative it's sort of one-offs here and there that tie in and push yeah as you don't really get a big arc until sort of the last big story which is called the kindly ones which are the fates for which we sort of have skipped over um they come back in a big way and we've also skipped over oh another another piece of brilliance merv pumpkinhead <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yeah it's a, li- a literal scarecrow with a pumpkin's head and it is voiced by the voice acting genius that is mark hamill yes um yes yes yeah. yeah, so, oh, almost almost forgot to mention him great little cameo yeah, in that almost forgot to mention brilliant him. but yeah and so, um so yeah i would like i think the backbone will be morpheus in charge of hell and deciding who Who's because he doesn't want it? He's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean, and obviously he yeah. goes to ask Death, what what should I do? And she's like, I've got my own problems, brother, because of he's let loose all these demons from out of, all these dead people have left out. I've got to chase them all. I need to recapture them. Thanks for that. <laughs> do you think they'll follow up with the Nada story? I line? hope so. I would hope so because that is that is important as well. Yeah, I think we will get all definitely all the major things. Maybe not the way they are on the printed page, and some of these smaller stories. I think if they do, that's two series. Mm. I think if they do it, that's two series. Quite possibly, and I mean, and I'm not averse to what they did with the bonus episode for some of the slighter stories where you can know, go. Well, that that's that's mm. half an hour. That's half an hour, but, and I just want. I just want more Ferdinand Kingsley. Just get Sturridge and Kingsley in a pub talking. Please, let's have some more of that. <laughs> Please. Ferdinand Kingsley, uh, uh, everyone is the is the uh, gentleman that plays Hob Gadling in um in the in the episode six. And the son of <coughs> Ben Kingsley. <laughs> and the son of Ben Kingsley, of course, burying the lead there. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 indeed. But yeah, no, oh, absolute. Absolute wonderful production. Glad it got made. Glad it's been sick. It's number one in 80, 89 countries or something. So we all can't be wrong. <laughs> That's we right. All can't uh, be wrong. And I do and I do think I do think we all get at least one more mm. season out of it. And I really hope so, because you know, as we've touched on just then, there's a there's a there's a lot more to explore. Oh absolutely. And you know, 
you know, with with six years worth of books, like you know, nigh on a hundred issues, a little bit past that, there's certainly enough material to keep that going. And all I can say is, is that like if if they keep doing it to that standard, if they don't suffer from kind of like sequelitis and it and and, and they go too much into like budget over quality, then I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I I think we're really safe on that. I don't it. think. Yeah. I think especially where he's involved yeah. as well. I, the three showrunners, no, it will always be the story first, especially with this. This is... Yeah. I think that's why the Audible book is, because you can create your own... You've got... What's on the printed page? You can conjure up what's in your own head for the Audible version. Yeah. And we have this, and they could all exist alongside each other. And it's just... I just cannot believe they actually did it. I so happy that it got made i'm so glad we've, it's been so well received yeah and and uh <clears throat> watchmen fans come at me <laughs> just come at me <laughs> we can have a discussion but i say it's your opinion is valid as is mine <laughs> but, agreed and i'd agreed. like to thank you for taking the time out for letting us have this little discussion about the sandman no problem at all. It's my pleasure, mate. On that note, yeah, I, I think that's a a good time to to wrap things up. Again, thank you for taking the time to to join me to oh. to have a chat about it. I think it's been a really fun show to watch, and yeah, we'll 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 watch this space and see if any more comes out of it. Hopefully, there'll be a little bit more news along the way. Indeed. And to you, listeners, thanks for swinging by and joining us on this little this little side quest of ours they're always fun to do with the more contemporary things that are out there right now and we will be back very soon with our next movie which i'm still quite terrified about watching but we'll see what happens i am i, I wait with bated breath until next time listeners sweet dreams an end of line